turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. We have, uh, well, we have an incredible show, two incredible guests. I'll talk about them in a moment, but welcome to the Pro-America Report. We're going to cover some ground today. Let me just say, um, if you want to cut through the nonsense, the narrative machine, you just got to come here. And if you don't catch this live on the Answer San Diego, this program, when it airs, you need to go over to Pro America, the Pro, excuse me, the Pro America Report.com, Pro America Report.com, Pro America Report.com. Jeez, I'm, I'm stuttering. And sign up, get, get there and see these interviews, listen there, and also sign up for the daily email. Because the daily email is called What You Now Know, the Daily Wink. What you now know. When you get that email, you'll have everything you need to understand what's happening, understand exactly where we're at. So, two great guests today. The first guest is Julie Kelly, and she is a writer over at American Greatness. I'm going to ask her where she came from, because... She's really, really good. And I, I, she's in her 40s, I think. She might be 50. She does have children that are going into college, so I can't really guess uh, her age. She looks wonderful. She's a really beautiful lady. But she's so good at writing and researching, and it's just an extraordinary thing. She writes at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, and she has been cutting through all the nonsense for a long time. And on two of the most important things, very specifically, two of the most important hoaxes in our country in the last 12 months, she's been exactly right. Number one is Fauci. She's been talking about Fauci, Dr. Fauci, as a fraud for a year, exactly, you know, more than that, 13, 14 months, almost from the very beginning. And second, she's been honed in on the fact that the January 6th 2021 hoax where it was a so-called insurrection how prob how absolutely fraudulent that is and how problematic it is that our government is mistreating its citizens the way they are she's extraordinary so we'll talk with her in a few moments she'll be up first second i pre-recorded earlier in the day early on tuesday an interview with the minister for families in hungary a woman named Kataline novak She's, uh, I think she's about 45 years old. She's an attorney. She had been in the parliament in, uh, in Hungary, but for about five or six years now, she's led the Ministry for Families. If you don't know Hungary, it's got a conservative leadership, uh, Prime Minister Orban, but more importantly, he has said, let's promote the family. Let's actually have policies and laws that are good for the family. And they are rapidly, and that's the wrong word, they're radically pro-family. Uh, pro they're pro-life too. So I interviewed Kataline Novak from her office in Hungary, in Budapest, and she was just great. And it went on long. It's almost 15 minutes. So that's going to be after we talk to Julie Kelly. So I'm going to keep this short. But let me tell you, what you need to know right now is that, and this is, this is something I've heard General Flynn say, our women, meaning women in the world that know what's going on, what it means to be a mom and a wife and also be a smart professional, these are the people 
that are are they they're gonna i mean general flynn has said that because the way the culture is it's freezing and 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 degrading men and these women they're just going to force us to live up to what we're supposed to be as people as christians and as americans so you gotta you won't be able to you won't believe these two interviews these two great interviews with uh with uh, julie kelly and kathleen novak and again let me just encourage you go to proamericareport.com proamericareport.com sign up and get my daily emails what you now know comes into your email box and also you want to see hear these interviews so we'll take a break right now i'm going to save the time be right back ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. It's time to catch up with our old friend, Julie Kelly. Julie Kelly, I don't think she is, but she should be taking a kind of a victory tour around America because at this point, Julie Kelly has been proven correct on most of the major things that have happened in America in the last three years, four years, could be more. I don't know. I don't know where, I don't know where she came from. I don't know where, like she, where she sprung from because she's only been right. And I did this in the introduction, Julie, that... About 15 months ago, Julie Kelly, Alex Berenson was going crazy because he went crazy on marijuana and then he went crazy on the pandemic. But it was kind of like Alex Berenson is kind of a guy that is a gadfly. But Julie Kelly started saying very specifically, you, Donald Trump is making a huge mistake trusting Fauci, trusting Burks. This thing is not going right. And no matter what you think about anything, it's now been proven that Fauci was at least dishonorable if not sort of totally fraudulent. I mean, it depends on how you want to read it, but it's not, it's not even close. Similarly, she wrote a book called Disloyal Opposition, which went through the Never Trumpers. And if there's anything that's shown clear in the last two and a half years, three years, it's this group of people that have made money being kind of professional conservatives. And she wrote about all of them in the Disloyal Opposition, the book. And then she's been writing for about three and a half months since January 6th, almost immediately. She said, they're going to use this hoax and they're going to try to make America crazy over the January 6th hoax. And at the time she's writing about it. I said, well, she's right all the time. Anyway, I agree with her, but how's this going to play out? And she, she dug through all the records, all the filings. And now she has, now she's now a well-known. So she's got all these sources that are telling her the details of what is effectively a political persecution. So now I've summarized it all, Julie, congratulations. <laughs> and I, I don't think you're getting a, a, the right kind of credit because all the people that you make mad have tons of power, but it's, a, <laughs> you've had an incredible run. And, and where did you come from? Well, Ed, I'm so glad you said that because I tell my family all the time how I am always a hundred percent right. So now I have a backup. <laughs> oh, I'm here we go. That's why right. <laughs> I have a backup. I've got it. I've got an official. Um, I look, you know, in terms of the lockdowns and my early skepticism right off the bat, it came from my covering the climate change movement. It it followed that same sort of pattern. And so that's why I honestly was horrified to watch Donald Trump put his faith in those two, uh, Deborah Burks and Anthony Fauci. I was horrified. Um, and the, the turning point for me mostly was when they brought those flawed, highly flawed garbage models that we now know, one from the UK and one from IHME here, a Gates Foundation-backed uh, organization, um, that you know, convinced him to shut down the economy for another month. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And so I started writing about it. As you know, you know, every time I had a chance, like, please 
President Trump, get rid of these two. Why do you have this coronavirus task force? Why are you making Anthony Fauci the most powerful man in, in the world, really? Um, and so to the extent that he is now criticizing Fauci and has been for the past few months, we cannot escape the fact that Donald Trump himself is mostly culpable for elevating Anthony Fauci to the position of power that he still occupies. So and and Julie, when you said that, I, I've never heard you say that, and I and that's so. And by the way, Julie Kelly has the greatest Twitter handle. I used to make fun of her, but now she's since she's right about everything else. And by the way, I, I will have a therapy session with your husband. We'll, we'll talk about this. It's not you know only within a range all of all of all of political and historical subjects, but not everything. You're not right on everything. But at Julie underscore Kelly two at Julie underscore Kelly two, she should have a million followers if people knew what they're doing. But go there and follow her. But Julie, as to the uh, Fauci thing. Even even around you, even the good guys. I mean, even the people that you're friends. And this isn't this wasn't a split like when you were saying about the never Trumpers and people were peeling off. There was plenty of people that were saying, well, wait a second. You know, um, you know, you got to give Trump give Trump a chance. When you look back on it, do you I mean, and and you described this is what I started to say. Sorry, you just compared it to the climate change thing. The speed with which it happened, you know, the, the speed with which the, the kinds of criticisms that um, somebody says, well, why, you know, the Wuhan lab, had we had a spirited debate where the media hadn't shut down, you know, you're a racist. I remember being called the, on the radio show. I said the Wuhan virus and people called the radio station and said, you know, we really shouldn't do that. It's mean and all this stuff. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't do that. And, and my point here is that things were shut down. The speed with which the um, conventional wisdom that the pandemic and what Fauci was saying was right. It was extraordinary how fast it was. Isn't that one of the things that you marvel at? It was astonishing to watch the rollout of power and just completely shutting down the most vibrant economy. I mean, you have to remember, I'm sure you do, um, back in February of 2020, this economy was so strong. Unemployment was basically non-existent. Um, You know, wages and job opportunities were rising, especially among minority workers. And to watch Donald Trump take this horrible advice, this, this obviously political advice, to continue to let the CDC issue this guidance, uh, especially guidance related to the election that they published in April of 2020, uh, for them to allow uh, these agencies to take over our economy, to take over our education system, to take over our election. I I still can't believe that he and his wife, that the Trump White House allowed that to happen. Uh, and ultimately, it led to his ouster uh, for many reasons, but more specifically because they went along with the CDC guidance about absentee vote, voting and drop boxes, et cetera. And as we right. know, that was used to that was the, the heart of the that was the heart that was the heart of the yeah. yeah that was the heart of the problem. We're talking with Julie Kelly, and again at Julie Ke- at Julie underscore Kelly too. Also, American Greatness. She writes over there at amgreatness.com. dot com. And and by the way, I know you've you've done it for uh, Chris Buskirk, who's the editor over there, and uh, and I have too. It's extraordinary uh, website and extraordinary service. The writers over there gotten better and better. It's really cool. But let now let's move forward. Because you and I had an exchange over the weekend when your recent piece came out, which I, I think I have up, uh, and if not, I'll put it up on social media. We're talking again with Julie Kelly, and this one is about the January 6th, and you're, you go into the description of uh, people that are being held after January 6th and how extraordinary it is. And, and if you go back and read only what Julie Kelly writes, you don't have to go anywhere else for, for about the last 10 weeks, you'll see a history of this. But Julie, the exchange you and I had was this. It's almost as if the hoax of January 6th 
is the, is the thing that's supposed to block anybody from looking back. You, if it's an insurrection where we almost lost America, which is a murderous insurrection, then don't have a debate over absentee ballots. Don't have a rebate, debate over masks. It was an insurrection. We almost lost America. And it, it, every time I see it, the specifics, I think they, everybody, big government, big tech, and big media are working so hard on this January 6th hoax. It's, it's again, stunning. It really is. And I think that was the first piece that I wrote after January 6th, and it was called The Capitol Riot is Being Used to Crush the Big Lie. And so it happened that day uh, because of various events that happened, uh, agitators who were there. The plan to, to call this an insurrection was successful because you had Republican senators who were going to vote for the 10-day audit or to reject certification of certain states. And after they reconvened, uh, every single one of them uh, capitulated. So to the extent that that was successful that day, but it also is being used to uh, anybody who wants election reform now as an insurrectionist, a seditionist. So you are exactly right. The events of that day, not just election reform, also the DOJ, the, this uh, abusive prosecution when it's destroying the lives of hundreds of Americans for no reason. DOJ wants $100 million more million for domestic terrorism. Other agencies, DHS, uh, DOD, even uh, Director of National Intelligence, outside of her legal purview, she's only supposed to be going after international terror. She cannot use her tools against American citizens, but she is. So it's being used to achieve all sorts of political ends of the left that they have wanted for years. And this uh, four-hour disturbance is now the justification to get those results. So here's the thing that's the most valuable about Julie Kelly is when she finishes that whole thing like I would, then I would say, yeah, and it's all the Democrats that are bad. And and Julie Kelly finishes and says the Democrats are bad. That's fine. But where the heck are the Republicans? In other words, there's Republicans in significant leadership positions in the Senate and in the House, although the House, they don't have they don't have power the same way, but they still have power because of the institution. But in the Senate, they do. And you rarely hear anybody talking about what now the human cost, because there's dozens. Tell me the number of, of, of prisoners that are in, in they, they basically trespassed, maybe, but they didn't do anything else. And they're in solitary confinement or something in Washington, D.C., and, and, and no one's doing anything about it. Exactly right. So, But you had 20 Republican senators who voted to confirm Merrick Garland. You had 48 Republican senators vote to confirm Lisa Monaco, an Obama loyalist, former chief of staff to Robert Mueller. 48 Republicans voted to basically put her in charge of the Justice Department. Her fingerprints are all over Russiagate. She's the one who announced that the pres- President Obama was going to uh, pr- look into the Russian hacking of the election and the bogus uh, intelligence community assessment uh, that came out a few weeks before Trump's inauguration. I mean, she is as deeply partisan and and well-known to use her government authority for political means. And yet you had no Republican outrage. She didn't face one question in her confirmation hearing about her role in FISA or FISA-gate or Russiagate. Um, so they have empowered Joe Biden's Justice Department to use whatever means necessary to go after their own supporters. And you had a letter today, five Republican senators finally bringing this up to Merrick Garland. They know 
Ed, that these people are being held in solitary confinement. Their letter today confirms that they know about it. And the best they can do is write a letter. Give me a break. (laughs) We have political prisoners (laughs) and we have Republican senators who the best they could do finally five months later is type out a letter to Merrick Garland. Disgrace. Yeah, Julie Kelly's the best because she doesn't and doesn't. She's like I say about the late Phyllis Schlafly. She doesn't know anybody anything. She's not on one side or other. She's on the side of the truth. Julie, last question. I just got a few seconds. Um, do you have another book coming? Is somebody paying you to write a book that needs to happen. Well, I'm working on uh, you know putting everything together on January sixth. So hopefully we'll okay. be able to make something of that soon. But I appreciate okay. that. All right. Yep. Julie Kelly at Julie underscore Kelly on Twitter and American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Thanks, Julie. As always, you're great. You're the best, Ed. Thanks so much for covering this. I appreciate it. All right. We'll take a break, everybody, and beat right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Now, listen, I'm just going to set this up. I'm going to do a little introduction because uh, our great uh, technical producer, uh, Noah, has had to put this together. After, I'm going to introduce Kathleen Novak, Novak, the Minister for Families in Hungary. And I interviewed her, long interview. It's coming up right now, but I wanted to introduce and set it up. Go to ProAmericaReport.com to hear this. And here she is, Kathleen Novak, my interview with her from early Tuesday. Here she is. Welcome. It's Ed Martin. Great to be back. I'm very pleased to speak now to uh, a friend. I actually was trying to think about when I first saw her speak. Uh, she is the Minister of Families, Minister for Families in Hungary, Katalin Novak. She's also a, an attorney, but now she's uh, in the government working for families. We'll talk about that. I saw her, I met her, I think the first time in uh, Verona, Italy, where she was speaking to the World Congress on the Family. And then months later, she came to the United States and spoke at Congress. And uh, I'm hoping I'll see her uh, later on uh, in the year as she's hosting another big conference in Hungary uh, where it's uh, very important on the family. So she's been leading for a number of years now on this question of what is it about our policies, the policies in Hungary and then all over the EU and the world that can help our families. So first of all, we were talking off the air about our own families, which is she has three children, uh, similar ages to mine. So we're commiserating on that. So we won't focus on that. But let's uh, welcome uh, Minister Novak. How are you? Hello, Ed. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm just doing fine. And the whole family is because, uh, you know, in Hungary, when you ask somebody how, how, how you are, then we, we regularly answer. So we, we just don't give you the answer that, well, how are you? How are you? Just as in the U.S., but we say, how are you? We try, we start to, to tell stories about our families, how right. the kids are doing, how the grandma is doing. So we are fine. <laughs> Good, good. Well, so first, let me ask you about the, the topic for Americans. We're, we're, we're finally emerging from the pandemic, right? Whatever the choices all different countries had to make to be safe and now vaccines and all. And it feels in America, you know, Fourth of July is our big holiday. It feels like the Fourth of July is a new Independence Day. How, how is Hungary doing coming out of the pandemic? How's the economy? How are the people uh, dealing now? How, what's your perspective, especially for the family? It has been a very difficult year, honestly. I think for everybody, it, it, uh, it, it, it's been uh, so much different from what we are used to. And uh, many challenges arose for, for the families as well, because, you know, you had to homeschool the children, yep. uh, which wasn't easy. We are not used to that at all. We right. had to, from one moment to the other, we had to stick to a completely other situation. And many had to for, work from home, uh, which, which is not very regular in Hungary. 
But I think that is a good experience. I mean, we, we could learn uh, lessons uh, from this period of time. Right. And uh, it also, I am, I'm quite optimistic by nature as well, but I experienced that uh, it, uh, it even strengthened family ties more because uh, many families realize that the, uh, the most important is their own family, and it's uh, their their care of uh, about the the, the the parents, the grandparents. Uh, they are so worried about their own family members. Uh, they they are helping the children, so it brought together families. Of course, for us, economically, socially, it wasn't an easy situation for a year. Uh, our Tourism suffered just as all over the world. Uh, our healthcare system could, uh, uh, until the last, uh, until right now, it, it, it could provide ser- services all over the time. So it never collapsed. That was a very important right. point. Uh, and also right now, we already enjoy freedom because uh, our vaccination rate is very high, uh, the highest actually in Europe. That means that uh, 50% of, uh, of the Hungarian population is vaccinated, but uh, everybody is vaccinated in Hungary who wanted to be vaccinated as an adult. So it means that uh, now it's optional. If somebody, I mean, it has always been optional, but now it's, we'll say that it's not anymore the responsibility of the state uh, to provide the vaccination because those who are not vaccinated for the moment, they are the ones who refuse to be vaccinated. So we right now enjoy life again. Yeah. And, uh, and and according to your question, I mean, uh, related to your question about autonomy, uh, we now are recovering slowly in an economic, uh, from an economic point of view as well. So that means that uh, we are regaining the uh, workplaces and we don't have uh, our, actually our employment rate is now as high as it used to be before uh, wow. the, the COVID. Yeah, we're talking, by the way, let me say, uh, Kathleen Novak, at Kathleen Novak MP. I'll put it up on social media, the Minister for Families. You know, I was thinking about the first time I heard about you was our mutual friend, uh, uh, Dr. Laszlo Sabo, who was then the ambassador to America, who came to St. Louis for our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and spoke on the policies in Hungary. A lot of them, he wasn't just for the family, but he was, a lot of them were the family. And our people were so excited to hear about proactive policy, laws and policies for the family, not just neutral, not just. And so he, of course, is back in Hungary. I'm sure you have a chance to see him, but he was a great friend to us. But I want to ask you, like too many people in America think that, um, well, let's make good laws that work for everybody. Hungary said we want to make laws and policies that incentivize the family. Tell us of the mindset that you have. You're the minister of families. The the prime minister has said he wants these policies for the family. You know, it's kind of like if we have America first, Hungary says Hungary first, but then within that it's family first. It's not before you do other things. Tell us about that mindset. It's very logical because the Hungarian people are family friendly. So we are by nature family friendly. That means that Hungarian young people want to have children in the future. So if you ask young Hungarians if they want to have children, they say yes. If they want to get married, they say yes. If you ask them how many children they want, then in average, it's over two. So that means that uh, in theory, we would have enough children, but in practice, it doesn't happen. There is a huge fertility gap in Hungary, just as in all over the Western or the, let's say the developed part of the world. Right. It is, it is a phenomenon that exists uh, all over in our, in our societies. Uh, so the reason why we say that the government has uh, uh, 
here a duty to fulfill is that there is this huge fertility gap. So we say that we don't want to, we don't, I, I don't even say we want to incentivize. We don't want to push. We don't want to persuade. We don't want to convince anybody. We just want to enable young people to have as many children as they want to have at the moment when they want to have these children. So that is the main message. And for that reason, we introduce uh, family support schemes, uh, which, uh, yes, at the end of the day, are incentivizing also childbearing, but uh, on the first place, enabling uh, these young uh, people to, to, to found a family at the moment when they feel like they would like to, and they don't have to postpone this decision just because of financial reasons. When you um, have you as you watch and I want to transition a little bit to Europe, how Hungary fits into Europe, because when you watch how often the the pro-abortion movement has influence in policy in in other nations or in the European Union, even how, how does Hungary balance that? You know, at some point you must feel like you're being, you know, kind of run over by the the abortion mindset and you have to really, you know, fight back. Right. Well, many times they want to give us the impression that we are we are run over and that we are, you know, some retrograde, uh, right. uh, anti-modern uh, society or leaders. Uh, but that's, of course, not true. I mean, the evolution doesn't mean that at the beginning you're conservative and that at the end of the day you will turn out to be liberal. Uh, it's not that. I mean, you can choose either to, 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 to represent this or that uh, ideology or I would rather say values. And we represent uh, Christian, democratic, uh, conservative values. So that means that Hungary is a Christian country uh, because our founding uh, first uh, uh, king was already, uh, I mean, chose at that time uh, Christianity 1,000 years ago. And ever since, Hungary has been a Christian country. Uh, and uh, so that's, that's part of our, our culture. Uh, and uh, and uh, and also we are we are family friendly and uh, we we of course protect life so for us it is natural it is uh, and I would say I I am I am happy that uh, when you rose the question uh, you said that the the pro abortion uh, movement because they call themselves the pro choice and I don't think that they are pro choice I mean cho- choice is not if the child is already there and you choose either to. To, to terminate the life or to 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 let th- that life uh, be born, uh, but the choice is before the choice. You have the choice either to have children or not to have children. You have this choice in Hungary. So I think the real pro-choice thing is what we are doing in Hungary is that we are protecting life and uh, and we are protecting the real freedom of choice because you can choose to get married or not to get married. You can choose to have children or not to have children. You can choose to have a large family or not to have a family at all. So I think the real choice is uh, to be able to, to really consider these options and say that I w- want to be a full-time mom or I want to be a full-time employed person and uh, I don't want to have any children. So it's your choice, but right. we enable you to either choose this or that or to, to choose both at the same time, just as myself, for example, being a mom and uh, being a working mom, actually. <laughs> uh, we're talking again with Kathleen Novak. She's the Minister of Fa- for Families and uh, at Kathleen Novak uh, uh, MP. I'll put it all on social media. Um, one last line of question before we I lose you. Thank you. We're talking to her from her office in uh, in Hungary. Um, 
from America, we uh, for conservatives or for some more conservatives, we're watching a great border crisis now. In fact, the news in the last uh, day or so is Vice President Kamala Harris went to South Latin America, but has yet to visit the border. In fact, she was asked, you know, you haven't been to the border. And she said, well, I haven't been to Europe either. And you kind of want to shake your head and say, we're not being invaded by Europeans. But how Hungary has a reputation for being clear that you're going to be a nation of borders uh, on immigration. And European Union loves to try to make that into something negative. Can you just talk about how you see it as a leader in the in the government and how why it's important? So first of all, the country needs borders. And second, the borders need to be protected. And uh, even if we can freely travel inside the European Union, we are protecting the external borders of the European Union as well, not only the Hungarian borders. So Mm -hmm. that uh, is our duty to protect the borders, that it's as simple as that. But a nation needs also protection. Nobody can enter legally a country, illegally a country. And I know you have this problem of illegal immigration towards the U.S. And I think that is unacceptable. I mean, illegal mass immigration, we cannot accept. But we also want to uh, safeguard our sovereignty in being able to decide on either wanting or not wanting mass immigration to Hungary. And because we have a lack of children, Uh, And we have a declining population. We need children, but we want to support young people to be able to to have their own families. And we don't need mass immigration in Hungary. What we want is uh, to to be respected for our sovereignty and to be respected uh, in terms of these decisions as well. We respect the decisions of the others, but we want to be respected as well. That's the only thing we do. But in Hungary, that is important. There is a national consensus about this. So the Hungarian people, the vast majority, like 90% of the Hungarian people say that they want to, to, to safeguard these borders as they are, and they don't want mass immigration to Hungary. So that's the, the general opinion in Hungary. So we, what we have to do as a government, we have to represent this general opinion. And we, that's also our commitment. And that's uh, also what we believe in. Uh, one last quick uh, uh, comment. Tell tell our uh, listeners about your event in September. I think it's the fourth annual event where you're talking about demographics, which sounds not very exciting until you explain why it matters. So tell us a little bit about that event. So this is going to be the fourth uh, Budapest Demographic Summit, uh, which brings together leaders from all, our, all, our, all around the world and also uh, thinkers, scientists, NGO representatives, so family organization representatives, uh, journalists, so many, many people who, who are ready to think together about our demographic challenges, which we are facing all over in the Western part of the world but also the solutions. And our solutions uh, are family-oriented solutions. So we always uh, put family in the focus. And we say that this is a conference about demographic challenges. But actually, why why is it interesting? Why is it important? Because it is about our future. I mean, there is nothing to, to, to talk about if you don't have future generations. If you speak about the environmental protection, that you want to safeguard the earth for your kids and your 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 heirs. So that means that uh, the the number one issue actually is we will survive if we will survive if right. we will survive as a nation 
if it will survive as Europe, for example. So that is uh, in the focus of our discussions. And uh, I very much hope that it will be at least as interesting as two years ago. The prime minister will be present. He delivers a speech uh, each time at the beginning. Uh, and there will be also prime ministers, presidents from different countries who already confirmed uh, they, uh, their uh, visit or their appearance at this uh, conference. Well, it's great news that you're back in person, that you're going to be by September, especially you'll have everyone have the ability to be there in person. So uh, the, the Minister for uh, Families, uh, Kathleen Novak, thank you very much for your time and for all that you're doing. And uh, we have been watching. Oh, I should remind I should remind our, our listeners. This came to my attention because I got an email from a priest in uh, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, Father Harrison, who said, look at this, this woman speaking. And his church is St. Stephen of Hungary Church. Uh, excuse me. It's uh, St. Stephen. It's a Hungarian church. So he said St. Stephen of Hungary must be helping. And Cardinal Mincenti, our great, uh, a lot of Americans uh, watched in, in awe of Cardinal Mincenti. And uh, it was in LifeSite News, a, a uh, one of your interviews. I think I just heard from your staff. It was originally in Portugal and a Portuguese network and translated. So thank you for your leading uh, in the world as well as uh, in Hungary. And uh, I just, I'll be praying for you and three kids. I have four kids. We need a lot of prayers. These kids, they make you, they make you old. So, uh, good luck with everything. <laughs> Thanks so much, Ed. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Thanks very much. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. Sports leagues like Major League Baseball paint themselves as being little more than a public utility as though they cannot and should not be challenged. Yet these supposedly saintly entities are private corporations, just like every other. They operate out of a desire to make profits, not just the betterment of humanity. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with a business trying to make a profit. We all like that. However, Major League Baseball takes massive handouts from state after state with almost no accountability. State legislators should be examining how much professional sports leagues are really costing their residents, rather than worrying about a retaliatory cancellation of an event. Sports gambling has quickly grown into a hugely popular phenomenon as leagues try desperately to reverse their declining profits and television ratings. Yet sports gambling brings with it all the problems commonly associated with that vice. Sure, the league makes their profits, but families are too often destroyed in the process. State governments should take immediate action to outlaw sports gambling before the problem gets any worse. Congress should also examine how professional baseball has filled nearly 30% of its rosters with immigrants, while the percentage of black players has dropped from 19% in 1981 to only 8% last year. These high-paying positions should be filled by Americans instead of given to immigrants with less inspirational value to American youth. Sports are also selling out to other nations by pushing themselves into foreign markets. MLB has built a development center in China as part of the globalist push by pro sports. So why doesn't it move its all-star game there? That would make about as much sense as moving the game from Atlanta to Denver, which is only 9.2% black compared with Atlanta, which is 51% black. At the end of the day, we have to divest professional sports from the mystique surrounding them. When these leagues fail to support American interests, they should be called out for it. We all want sports to return to a time when they offered an escape from politics and the news. If these leagues really want to make fans happy, they should return to the pro-America image they've crafted over generations instead of selling out to the woke left.
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. In 2016, the conservative movement lost one of our strongest leaders, but Mrs. Schlafly's work and her voice continue through this radio program, our work in Washington, and the influence you have in your own community. Be part of that legacy at phyllisschlafly.com. We encourage you to bookmark phyllisschlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Um, well, let me sift through a few emails from some folks. I, I've been tracking these down. You can send me your own emails uh, anytime you'd like. Uh, ed at edmartinlive.com. Ed at edmartinlive.com. Over on Facebook, Ed Martin Live is our website. Facebook there. I live stream each morning at 945 East Coast time, 645 on the West Coast, uh, over at Phyllis Schlafly Eagles on YouTube and also Periscope at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter, any of those places. So someone... Uh, 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 sent me an email about Virginia because Virginia is one of the only places Virginia and New Jersey are having uh, traditional November elections in the off year. Uh, <clears throat> and they asked me about Virginia because they had heard I commented on the fact that uh, Virginia's convention was a few weeks ago. Here's the interesting detail. Terry McAuliffe, even as we're as we're doing this program right now, Terry McAuliffe uh, Tuesday was the primary in Virginia. And Terry McAuliffe, I haven't seen the results yet. Terry McAuliffe is the favorite to win uh, and to be nominated again to serve a second term as governor in Virginia. You may not serve consecutive terms for governor. So he will if he wins. He'll serve his second term. His first term was four years ago. And in between, we've had Governor Northam. Governor Northam, who was famous for either wearing blackface or being in a KKK outfit uh, in his yearbook for uh, medical school. He never said which. He apologized for the picture, but no one could tell who he, which one he was. And then also his attorney general, Mark Herring, also did blackface uh, back in when he was in college at UVA. So these two guys, um, they've been, you would have thought, been devastated, but a little bit like Andrew Cuomo, they just put their head down and stayed in office. So in Virginia, on Tuesday in the primary, uh, uh, Terry McAuliffe is in a primary against two women of color for the governor's race, and he's going to beat them. And he's going to beat them, and there you go. I mean, it's supposed to be women. It's supposed to be women of color. It's their turn. And instead, the Democrat Party pushes upon America what? Uh, Joe Biden. Yep, that was good. He's in charge. Uh, and then Terry McAuliffe and Mark Herring, the blackface um, guy that did blackface, is going to be the attorney general candidate. Go figure. Uh, meanwhile, on the Republican side, you have a businessman, a very successful businessman named Yunkin. And then the lieutenant governor is a black woman. And the, the attorney general candidate is a Hispanic man, a Cuban-American uh, man. So... I don't know if Virginia is going to change. Uh, the Virginia has gone pretty blue. And Virginia, in the off-year elections, because the elections are always um, occurring in uh, in the off-year, so in uh, in 17, in 19, and, uh, and then again and now in 21. In 17, it was the first race, just a year after Trump won. And there was ton, literally millions and millions of dollars poured into the race from uh, Michael Bloomberg and others. Same thing happened again in 19. And so you see all this money. There's not that many places to spend money because there's not that many races, so you get money dumped in, Bloomberg money and others. The question will be in Virginia, are people going to be um, either fat, dumb, and happy over you know the Democrats having power and having had power, or have they really shifted? And we'll see. Um, you know, the, the number, I would say the number one issue in Northern Virginia, near where I live, has been the schools. 
because the economy is insulated by the swamp. You know, the swamp, uh, so many people rely on the government for their job and for related you know, industries, uh, government affairs, government contracting, that it's not, um, it hasn't really affected the economy the same way. But the schools and the pandemic have been a disaster. So we'll see what happens. But but I will say, and to your call, this is an email from Joey. Uh, Joey, uh, asking about Virginia. It will be an interesting bellwether. You know, they're, they're, you go over to Politico, I've coached you on this, you go to Politico to see what the Democrats are thinking. And right now there's one article about how Terry McAuliffe and two other white men may win the nomination in Virginia for Democrats and how bad this is. You'll also see an article there at Politico that says how the Democrats won in a special election in New Mexico and how great this is. Well, there was a Democrat seat by 20 points and they won by 25. Um, so I'm not sure what it indicates, but they're trying to, Politico, which is always trying to spin you is saying, trying to protect against the argument that things are really slipping. It feels like they're slipping, all the other things being equal. Uh, but Virginia will be an interesting test in just a few months, so we'll watch for that. Also, I did mention, uh, uh, the, I got a text from one of you, frankspeech.com, frankspeech.com, www.frankspeech.com is the website for uh, the event, for um, uh, Mike Lindell's free speech platform. It's also give you more information on the big MAGA event that's happening on Saturday in Wisconsin. Saturday at about midday um, East Coast time. I think it'll be 1130 uh, Wisconsin time. So it's 1130 Central. Uh, and of course, that would be um, what 930 uh, West Coast time and 1230 just after lunch, 1230 p.m. on the East Coast. So check that out. FrankSpeech.com. All right. We're going to wrap things up. Let me say thank you, as always, to our great technical director, Noah Dingley. Also to Joanna for booking our guests. I'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.